Hello and welcome to Fair Turnstairs Podcast as we take an in-depth look at the lower leagues of Scottish football and what an episode after all the goings-on in the last uh, 10 days or so. The Holy Trio are back, joined by James and Muzz. How are you, gents? Fantastic, how are you? Getting over the events of the last few days. Muzz, you're probably more of a nervous wreck than me. Yeah, I've been uh, loving it. Uh, unbelievable. Keep up so, yeah. thank you very much for joining. Um, this week, just one episode to, um, within it, we're going to capture the um, League 2, League 1 and Championship playoffs. So, uh, rather than individual episodes, just one bumper one this week. Um, if you're watching YouTube, if you could do us a massive favour and like the video and subscribe to the channel, that would help us massively. If you've not seen last week's ones and you want caught up in the first kind of semi-finals or first legs of the playoffs, well worth checking them out. Um, some good conversation in the comments and stuff as well, so well worth a look. So before we get in about it, Muzz, got a journeyman for us? Yeah, welcome, return of the journeyman. Um, I haven't had it for a few episodes. Um, I thought I'd bring this one back in now. I'm going to reveal the username of this uh, contributor. Um, and I want you to think hard and guess what team he supports. Uh, no clues, okay. So um, his, nick his uh, nickname is Wraithy. Um, okay. So... I'll let you have some thinking time over that. Um, in the meantime, he says that he used to get parcels delivered to my house by ex-Rovers yeah, man. Yeah, I'm reading, do you know what I'm doing? I'm reading that in the wrong tense. Um, I, I'll read it out verbatim. Uh, used to get parcels delivered to my house by ex-Rovers man and hoax extraordinaire Paul Brown. Would always give him a bit of praise for scoring in the Millennium Derby. Now, I've got some questions. Um, three questions, actually. Who is Paul Brown? Um, why? What's the What's the background behind the hoax? And what's the Millennium Derby? Derby. I, I, I mean, it must be a niche race Rovers thing, but and I do apologise to Rovers fans for not from a lack of knowledge there. But I'd love somebody to fill me in on those details. To be fair, what a forty hours for race fans having been capitulating against Dundee, and then second you. Have a pop at what is probably undoubtedly a cult hero in Paul Brownie Brown. Well, I think the 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 accolades I've been dishing out to race week in week out. I think I've got a bit of bit of credit in the bank to be yeah, fair. Yeah, absolutely do. Um, and he delivers parcels, Brownie, does he? Uh, apparently, decent. Um, so, any race fans who want to give us the background, please do comment section, or you can get us on Twitter at Turnstiles the. Um, should have said at start, if you prefer uh, listening to watching, but also know um, popular podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, etc. So there you have it, gentlemen. Spot of the Week, Paul Brown delivering parcels, the hoax extraordinaire and scorer in the, I'm going to say one and only Millennium Derby. Sure. Uh, till next, for the next 900 years or so. So, and about it then, Muzz, last we spoke, um, I think it had been a rather dull nil-nil draw in the first championship playoff between Rafe and Dunfermline. Rafe obviously got through that second leg with a 2-0 win at home. Enjoyed your comment on Twitter about not knowing what was better, um, the finish or Regan Henry's knee slide. Uh, I think Regan Henry actually liked it as well, but perfectly timed knee slide, wasn't it, as a celebration? Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, and the, the sort of half turn into the, the hug as well. Um, it was seamless. Uh, yeah, that was it. I heard, I heard, I think it was Derek Ferguson on the radio um, saying that he fancied Dunfermline for that one. Um, 
but he didn't really give a reason. He just mm-hmm. it was more of a hunch, and it was fair enough. But I think I think it was yourself or, or James. I can't remember who had um, said it was quite the opposite. It was probably set in race um, favour because. They'd gone to Dunfermline, done a job, kept a clean sheet. Yeah, I think and, we, were, um, we were talking about it, weren't we, that Dunf- um, Dunfermline hadn't watered the pitch, had they? They made it quite sticky. To, and then they played direct themselves, but were unable to score. So, obviously, with it going back to Starks, I think the ball exactly. was definitely in Wraith's favour, wasn't it? Yeah, Wraith had, Wraith had kind of ridden that storm. The, you know, at Dunfer- Dunfermline had done everything to, to, to get at them, and they'd managed to get away with a nil-nil. So, it was all set to me for a... For a race, just kind of to go right at them at home. So and Dunfermline yeah, well. season, season, James seemed to whimper out a wee bit. They were in strong position, weren't they? Because we were talking about the potential for them to invest with the new owners and stuff at the start of the season. They were doing all right, kind of middle, kind of third of the season. But would you say Stevie Crawford can kind of say, oh, "Look, I did my jobs. I got to the playoffs with a go of it." How do you think Dunfermline fans? If you were a Dunfermline fan, what would your thoughts be? Well, that's what I was, I was going to pick you up on straight away because I was going to say me as a neutral, I'm saying, yeah, probably fair enough because, you know, it's not quite the same as, as we've spoken about before with Falkirk where it's like an element of, oh, there's an entitlement there or um, to an extent part of Thistle. But you look at them firmly and they're like, anytime I've been as a supporter of a now Premiership club, like, it's a relatively small fan base you take, but it's always packed. Like the, the, the mm-hmm. Firmin fans are always packing it out. So in their heads, they're they're a big club, and they are because it's a good stadium, it's a good team, like good um, good fan base and things. But I think if you're being honest about it as a fan, you shouldn't expect to waltz through the playoffs. You shouldn't expect to come first in that league. So yeah, I think for me as a neutral, I think that the job's been done in order to get into the playoffs. Maybe disappointed with their showing because that first game now now it's a bit edgy for me um you want to go and set your stall out really straight away in that first playoff game but again on the flip side of that you know we're, we're however many episodes into the season we are now we're however many game weeks in or game days in because they've been thick and fast but consistently we've been talking about Dunfermline being hard to beat Dunfermline keeping clean sheets Dunfermline being you know stodgy at the back and it's always been about Wraith attacking so We've never really been given either team their dues in terms of, oh, Dunfermline, so hard to break down, but and they're just going to score goals by you. Mm-hmm. We've been like, I Dunfermline are a defensive team. So almost you have a defensive team against an attacking team. It's like they're going to, there's an element of they are going to cancel each other out. But to answer the, the first one, for me as a neutral, I think, yeah, um, I'd be disappointed that Wraith have pipped us because I don't know how many people outside of that Wraith setup would imagine them doing that well in the league. Uh, Muzz, obviously. Uh, notwithstanding, but you know, I think they look around and go, "We're a relatively big team. We should be competing in the playoffs." So, yeah, for me, I think I think it's almost job done. But I, I think they'd be disappointed not to mm-hmm. not to have looked better across all their legs. Rivals as well, aren't they? So they'll not be happy with that defeat. And Muzz, it seems as though obviously we now know Dundee turned Rafe over three nothing in the first leg, but it's that those last two games of the season have almost kind of cost you from the, the last two games of the league season where they got beat by Dundee or beaten by Dundee 2-1 and they then lost 4-0 to Hearts. Now that's what's cost them second place and they were saying at the game last night um, generally the team that finishes third very rarely actually goes on to make the final. So mm-hmm. they will be kicking themselves about it that they didn't manage to secure second which would have meant like 10 days off to prepare for this because Dundee yeah. like done their homework last night to be fair to McPake he looked like they knew how to play it 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that in, with the games coming thick and fast, as they have been, that any any chance to take some extra time off would have been vital. Though, having said that, Wraith Rovers have got a really big squad. They've got a strong squad. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a bit tight at the back, but midfield, forward play, players, they've got a lot of... of uh, opportunities to rotate and things like that but when you're in these these kind of games you want your you want your strongest team available and you want them as fit as possible so it's like they've just kind of run out of steam or something at the at the at the very last hurdle mm-hmm. um i thought i thought they would see it all the way but i'll stop short of saying the tie is completely over because they're they're capable of quite um extraordinary uh achievements i think Especially in a last ditch attempt, but like you say, Dun- Dundee pulled off a bit of a masterstroke yesterday. I was surprised actually how dominant they were, and and Charlie Adam was rose to the rose to the top. You know, you wonder why he's been out of the team actually for for the for so long, uh, for seemingly just tactical reasons. He got his he got his team right, didn't he? Because he's obviously went with the quality of Adam, but he's got legs in that middle of the park. McGee played centrally, Sean Byrne played centrally, but Mullen kind of. Played off a side but tucked in narrow, uh, mm. and then McMullen, who also always does a shift against the ball as well. To be fair, so he's packed that midfield with runners and legs, and then Cummins up top, always looking to stretch them. So fair play to McPig James because he's took a wee bit of criticism, but he's he's got his team right last night. He's left McDade on the bench. He's played a fair few games. Danny Mullen on the bench. He's he's shown he can be adaptable. Yeah, and it's paid off for him, like you say. But I think if it had not paid off, then he would have been getting an absolute hammering because we would have, like, who are we in reality named it? But I think other people uh, in the media or more prominent figures would be saying the same things we would. We've been criticising for not having a steady team for that long. And now he's maybe chopping and changing. So if Adam's not been consistently in and all of a sudden he chucks him in and they, they lose three now, everyone's sitting going, why have you put him in out of the blue? Like, why is he not been playing and all of a sudden he is? So it's a, it's a risky one, but perhaps having that 10 days off like you're saying, it gives you that time to do some homework mm-hmm. and you want to keep a settled team while you've got, you know, back-to-back-to-back games and can Adam keep up? Maybe, maybe not. So perhaps you take him out when they're, you know, when the games are piling up and, and now's the prime time to get him back in because when you're playing against that Wraith team, you need someone who's, who can link you back to front quite quickly or can, can link you back to front with a decent pass. So for me, it is, it is pretty much prime time to get him in um, and, it, and it's obviously paid off for him, but Again, on the flip side, if it hadn't, then he would have been getting hammered. And, you know, the Dundee fans have gone from hating him weeks ago to loving him now. Mm-hmm. That hatred, you imagine, would be tenfold if, you know, if he tried things and they didn't come off. So it's a, it's not an enviable position, enviable position but he's he's taken his risks and they've, they've done well for him. I think, I think, I think that's tacti- what tactically you're right, Andy. He did get it bang on, like flooding mm-hmm. that central midfield area with defensive-minded midfielders against Wraith. And that's the real heartbeat of that Wraith team. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, it was almost like a narrow, it was like a Christmas tree formation, almost like a four-three-two-one. Yeah. And you've I got saw, like James, James has nailed it as well with the ability, like Charlie Adam, to to shift that ball and in transitions like right to the front. And with Cummings, you've always got a goal threat. So I think I saw a stat that, that they've not actually lost a game since Jordan McGee's played in that kind of box-to-box all season in the middle of the park. But, but again, that was a decision he got slaughtered for when he was making it. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you drop Adam, but you're going to put McGee in? But mm-hmm. Like you're saying, he, and he's there. And Sean Byrne took a bit of flack because can he play in certain like two man midfields, three man midfields? But he's everything that you said they wanted, and Muzz has just said they wanted runners, tacklers, 
not quite defensive minded, but he'll do the he'll do the dirty defensive work for you. Burn, Burn almost played advanced to this to Vadim and McGee, didn't he? And that was obviously to latch on to Hendry to, to stop him playing. So Burn like in in possession, Burn's not the most kind of effective on the ball in there, but against the ball, he's the one probably in that midfield that you want getting after Hendry. So like like you say, that he's set up perfectly, obviously. The plan get latch on to Hendry early, stop him playing out. Get runners down the sides with like McMullen, who can match fullbacks, McGowan, and then obviously McGee just kind of tidying up the likes of Matthews and support for his centre half. And McGee actually showed his flexibility later in the game when Fontaine's went off, looked like a wee bit of a hammy. He's actually went in at centre half. Max Anderson's come on and he's obviously got the assist for the goal. So, so looking rosy in that Dundee camp. But like you say, Mars, an early goal for Rafe and it gets interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, I would. I just wouldn't rule it out at all. But um, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill struggle. And, and McGlynn keeps playing this, ruling out this thing like we're still trying to avoid. I, I think he was saying that going into the, going into the first leg there, and he was still saying, "Oh, we're going to, we're we're just trying to stay in this league and stuff like that." You know what I mean? So they'll be playing it down. And I, I can understand. It... I can understand maybe taking, taking the pressure off the players. But I think privately, I think he'll be disappointed. I think he would have seen this as a chance. See, before we move on to League One, you've kind of become a Rafe expert, Mars. Well, like, Lynn's got, like, they've got this far where they're swashbuckling, fullbacks bomb on, centre half's happy to play 2v2. Um, Vegan Hendry's a sitter, but sometimes he'll go beyond the front men. So, like, kudos to them. It's got them third place. But see it 2 nothing last night. Does he not, does, should he not just shut the door and just get, get to Den's two down? He's went for it, and he's brought Ugu on. Like um, he took Spencer Matthews both off. Spencer Matthews both off. Brought on like Tate, Duku, and Ugu as well as Armstrong enough. So he's should he just be saying right two 0 last 10, 15, Let's just sharp shot. We might nick one if we don't. We go there two 0 Three 0s almost nah. kept it off. Do you know what I think? I don't think I don't think you can say take in a two legged game sh- shut the door. What was it? They had 50, 55 minutes or something like that. They scored Dundee went 2-0 up. So 2-0 was 55. Aye, McGee, McGee scored in the 50. Aye, so you've got, you've got half an hour of the game left. And with, you know, with a team that have been banging goals on left, right and centre, you definitely go for it for me. You definitely go and try and get a goal. But There's going for can, it and going you for can, it. You can say sit on 2-0 or do you go take 2-1 back to Kirkcaldy and it's definitely on. So, no, nah, I, I don't think so. In a, in a playoff final, sorry, playoff semi-final, I suppose, Um whatever you want to call it. You've um, got to give him credit for sticking his gun. I'm, I'm with you, Muzz, because I think that this McPeak's decision for his next formation, shape, team selection is going to be massive as well. Because I think he just goes safe. I think, but, but I think this Dundee team, either in-game or going into this next game, there's so many players that can do something erratic. Like Sean Byrne is known to get himself sent off or also is known to just go and chase everything. And if he's playing quite advanced, He's the one you'll go and try and pressure your centre halves, but so is Cummins going to do that. You play around the two of them, you're taking boys out of the game. Charlie Adam doesn't really have the legs. So you're beginning to think, like Muzza said, if you get a goal back there and it goes to 2 1, that team could potentially just capitulate completely. Or you mm-hmm. go in, you get an early goal in your wraith. Next time round, that's the same problems are going to arise again in terms of Sean Byrne can go running off, Cummins can get himself in a bit of strop and try and chase lost causes and that. But actually, Dundee don't need to be pressing it that much. They didn't need to be forcing it. They're the ones that now can sit back. 
But yeah. again, if you concede against a race team that can do it to you, I think your whole your whole team selection, your whole team shape can be a wee bit in in a bit of disarray because you've got leaders there, but it's more like the for some of them it's ability, for some of them it's mentality. So I'm with Muzz, I think 55 minutes, you can't just shut up shop because you know what the, the personalities in that Dundee team. Like you can definitely nip at them, you can definitely get the mm-hmm. get the work done to make them play out of themselves in a way. Yeah. So and now starting that second leg, 3-0 down at home, they have to go gung-ho, which is what they're naturally most comfortable doing. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's that's why I want to say it's, it's not over. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if Ray yeah. came out there. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be, they'll make a game of it. I wouldn't be, but they'll, they'll I wouldn't have be to go for it. It's a six and a over two legs. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not anticipating that. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a, a tighter game. Mm-hmm. On the on the score sheet, probably. So we see see what happens then, and obviously the winner of that will play either Ross County or Kilmarnock, which is yet to be determined. But come Sunday, before, we'll before we move on, team. just to consider the teams coming down, I'm almost contradicting myself in my head, but I think I've I've done myself out of it. My question is: When you'd mentioned that the teams in third and fourth really get into the finals, Andy, do we think momentum plays a part in in teams going up and coming down from that Premiership? Um, Final. So, I, like in my head, I'm considering the fact that Premiership teams that are coming down are getting themselves almost in a slump because it's like the negative momentum. Whereas a team like Dundee, if they can go out and do another three now, they're getting themselves that positive momentum coming up. But then Wraith, if Wraith win it, they've come off of two games before this, the the playoffs where they've lost, draw against Dunfermline, and a loss against Dundee. Their momentum's all over the shop, which makes it a bit tighter. Or do we think it's just momentum goes out, form goes out, it's just final tick? I think it's down to quality because you look at it, there's only twice, is it not, that the, the championship teams actually come up. Whereas mm. if, if momentum was such a big factor, you'd think it would almost be flipped. But I think it's only Hamilton, like seven, eight years ago, and Livingston that have came up from, through the playoffs. I just an absolute mind blank of who the final was, or there wasn't one because of COVID. I was going to say, who was it last year? But I think there's only two teams that ever came up through the playoffs. And I think both yeah, Ra- Rangers toiled as well. Motherwell, that was in Morrison, they went. Aye, head, um, and it was it was Hamilton when when Hibbs went down, wasn't when it? When Hibbs went down, yeah. yeah. So there's only two teams that went up through the playoffs, and I think they've both finished second. So I think that tells you like, everything mm. you need to know. So I think it's probably fifty fifty when when the time comes round. So we'll know by sh- for sure on Sunday, a who's making it out of Aith and Dundee, and then b who's playing out of Kilmarnock and Ross County. Ross County only need a point, don't they? Away at Motherwell, so and Kelly need to win and hope. County lose, so it's looking like it's going to be Kelly. Uh, so Kelly, Kelly Hamilton, is it not with an 18 goal difference? Yeah. Well, that could like be Hamilton. a big split. Of that. that could be a huge game. Hamilton has more nil. goals than they've ever done before. Kelly could rest a few players as well with the So then moving down that same table, you feel for Montrose Mus. Last uh, yeah, I was at post. And, to prevent penalties, wasn't it? Yeah, I was at both legs and um, talking of legs, it was, I think it was Cammy Ballantyne's that went through, um, that McGuffey popped it through mm-hmm. and then he's, in my opinion, and I was right flush with it, you know, the, on the, along the edge of the box, really. Um, in my opinion, he's he's flipped it in to the, to the far think, post. I think, he, I think he's tried to cross it and it's just snuck in inside the, the far post, but Credit to him, he got put himself in that position, and he's he's had the the audacity to 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 
try and take beat beat a defender like that at the, the last sort of minute of extra time and put himself in that position to score. So but it's so so have it been, it, have it been at both games, who deserved it? Or would you say it was 50-50 and penalties would have been uh, fair? I think it I, th- I think it was 50-50 to be honest. Yeah, it was Montrose shade the first leg, Martin shade the second, or were they both, I, both, both well both legs Montrose came out the sorry, Martin came out of the traps, and I think Gary Oliver scored five after five minutes in both legs. I, I'd said um, last week, hadn't I? Oh, I bet you Martin shithouse a one now and Gary Oliver scores. And then I've looked at it and Gary Oliver scored. But it was the early doors there. I was like, too early for that to be the result. And both games, they looked like, they, they, they looked like for that short period of time, they looked like the, the championship team. And Montrose looked like the League One team. But Montrose just, since definitely first leg, they ground, ground away and they were so aggressive uh, on the press against uh, Martin and... Martin really didn't, you know. They realised they were they were in a, a battle pretty quickly, and the conditions were there was lashing wind and rain, and um, and certainly into the second half, Montrose started to turn the screw a bit, and looked well. Were really good value for their mm-hmm. for their two one uh, lead, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, Martin, I like that. And Martin, they were more on the back foot, and they, they were tiring. So you could really tell they were tiring by the end. I, I like I like that you're saying um, Montrose are, are looking like they belong there because there was in my head a wee bit of a you know were they lucky to get into that position and you know they, they justified their position in terms of how they were playing and the points they picked up but at the same time going into the season where were we expecting them to be to be kicking on and playing against Morton for for playoff places and things so it's yeah. good that actually they are competing because it only seemed like a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago actually when I went and did some digging. Montrose are actually quite a well-run team and actually got some decent players and they seem to have a strategy of how they recruit and how they want to play and so it's, it's almost like it's dawned on me and I've begun to see it increasing a wee bit on Twitter that folk are like actually Montrose are a, mm-hmm. a relatively well put together so you, you feel you know, it seems like, like they've gone under the radar a wee bit and you almost think well they're lucky to be there but by all accounts yeah, yeah. They, they could be competing and potentially could right. be going up you're right James yeah. it seemed written for them didn't it that they snuck top half like in the last 10, 15 minutes of a game, wasn't it? And then they've snuck playoffs in the last 10, 15 minutes of a game and you're starting to think, wait a minute, like, is this, is this possible? Yeah. But they're, they're yeah, this is you think, James is there, right. there just to make up the numbers and just by chance they've got in there because other folk have not done what they've done. But it sounds like, I don't know, do you think they'll mount a, a challenge again or a, Aye, a similar... They've gone straight to sign Mike Watley Mark from their growth. Two-year deal, um, So, you know, they're, yeah, I think they're... Uh, James, James is absolutely right. They're, they're, they've been they've been a steady they've been a quiet work in progress for a couple of seasons now. They maintained the major large majority of that squad um, to build on from la- the impressive season last season. And it's it was okay. It was last minute and it was fortuitous to an extent that um, Airdrie were able to beat Falkirk so late and it just nudged. And Montrose did the job against Partick. You know we talked about if Partick hadn't rested so many players, would have been able to get that result? It doesn't matter. It happened, and it nudged him into that position. And then against Morton, they've come out and just made a, a massively good account of themselves. Morton looked not a lot. They looked like a good League One team, to be honest. But they just had, they just got that wee bit more cutting edge with guys like yeah. individuals like McGuffey, uh, Nesbitt, uh, that can just make a wee bit of a difference at crucial times. But there was not a lot in it. Both no, legs. And- and, and like you say, that moving to strength for an early with Watley, um, 
it's, it's interesting teams start doing their business. We'll, we'll probably touch on that in the next episode because there's, there's business to be done in there across the board. And I see Inverness as well have announced John Robertson as sporting director and they're on the lookout for a head coach. So there's obviously things changing there. I heard allegedly Neil McCann turned down Falkirk, didn't he? Because he's going somewhere else maybe in bits and bobs. So it's, it's getting... Well, he's... Dodds was on the radio. Phil Dodson, McCann's got someone else lined up so he's not taking the Inverness job. He's got other commitments. Aye, well, I think that's the same reason he turned out Falkirk. Uh, aye, so are the other commitments TV, radio, or are they, I am away to Queen's Park? Oh, uh, well. Any other teams that are the, 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 more, the, more, more, anyone uh, else that's got a job going? Aye, well, could, you'd imagine, well, obviously, Falkirk's going, Queen's Park's going, Alwell's going, Inverness is now going. You'd imagine potentially. Aye, has gone, Morton. Morton come season. down. Aye, uh, I think McPherson's only here till the end of the season, is he not? I thought it was just a short time. Initially, aye. So it's all go. And maybe if depending who comes down from Prem, like does Tommy Wright really fancy championship if they come down? John Hughes is only on t- signed on to the end of the season. Does he fancy mm-hmm. championship? Or is he so this is some things to talk about? Um then another one was talking about a slow burner Airdrie. They were hot and cold at the start of the season, but they're absolutely flying now, aren't they? Yeah, um, I think, like, well, there's one major reason for that, and I think a lot of the fans are in agreement that the addition of Kyle Turner has is, is, uh, been pivotal and really spurred, spurred on their season. Uh, you know, one player, Paul Payton as well, coming in. Just that balance they've added in midfield of Payton being able to sit and, uh, you know, radiate composure around them and Turner box to box. Went off early last Gallagher's night, or Tuesday night. When was it Tuesday? Peyton, when I think he's taken an injury. Peyton's taken an injury. Aye. Is he back for um, Martin? Uh, he he might be back, but I think Kyle Connell's. Uh, he's out of the equation because it's oh, concussion. I think. I think it's concussion, but Peyton might make it. But um, aye, there's a lot of other things falling into place at the right time for Adrian as well. The back, the back of four have remained solid mm-hmm. for most of the season. Um, and you know they've got guys like O'Reilly and Carrick and yeah. Thompson's come Thompson coming off the bench. If, I mean these guys are keeping Walker uh, as well. The, the fabled Thomas Robert on the bench. I was going to say Sabatini, who's not who's not done anything wrong, just has does it been James, muscled out of that team. Does it sum up Scottish football hype train a wee bit, James? It? One minute Thomas Robert's the next best thing since sliced bread. He's training at Celtic. He's pushing for a move and. I can't remember the last time he started the game for Airdrie. And who have, who have since kicked on since... I'm not saying it's because he's come out of the team, but the hype train can catch you, can it? But it can also drop you off pretty sharp as well. Is it just by chance that it's winter transfer window and Celtic are embroiled in you know, their own affairs overseas and Celtic are in a bit of toil and all of a sudden someone goes, ah, but there's a class little young player in League One that might be coming at us. And all the Celtic fans are like, Oh, all of a sudden, let's talk about this guy. And all the fans of other clubs are like, ah, he's ta, ah, he's class. And all of a sudden, everyone forgets what happens overseas. So there's a definite like spin factor going on at some of these big clubs where it's just like, ah, this guy sounds fancy, scored a couple of wonder goals, right, get him in for a try on. What, what just, else is he doing? Was like I think, sitting in an airdrop. So I think I whatever agents behind him as well is probably partly I'm responsible for whipping up a bit of. Yeah, there, there, I remember there's just been plenty from the boy uh, Matthew Knox, who was at Livingston, who's now 
I think he's in Lowland League. He's signed for Trinan, I think. Is it Trinan? But he um he was constantly like down with Manchester United and he was constantly like training with big clubs like that. And it, it turned out that he, he was certainly doing it. But every time he went, his dad was phoning the paper being like, I've heard this Matthew Knox guy's training uh, in Manchester, like fake voice and glasses and moustache. So he worked in the paper. Who's doing that for Robert, eh? Like it's like why can't you say that it's the spin machine, it's a hype machine and and, and yeah, he's a guy and he's a good player, but you know, first is he of, the next big thing? As first as as first as far as I can see, it was the first of April he last started a game. Uh, mm. one 0 win away at Dumbarton. So he started one of the last eleven, as far as I can see. I've just just really checked quickly there. You wonder, James, uh, right. obviously Stuart Miller, who was the director of football, what contacts well known in Scottish football. You wonder if he would he's left now obviously a while back. You wonder if he was the one that was maybe trying to punt Robert and hope for be getting some money and so he was maybe kind of working the phones and kind of doing bits and bobs like that and obviously now he's left there's nobody to kind of do that or it's not as much of a priority now maybe so it's interesting because yeah, speaking of folk who have who folk we've had on or folk we've spoken to in the game there's players <clears> going to trial with other clubs constantly Constant. there, there's players who move about there's players who have deals organized where they um they take over someone else's contract and you know players move from championship to league one and you know, it just happens and there's no money exchanged. It's just, we're paying them £500, now you're paying them £500. Right, then they're working the clubs, it's very interesting. Yeah, and, um, and no one's no one's phoning up the papers. And, you know, there's nobody really from the rags, like spying outside clubs with their binoculars going, oh, there's Thomas Robert going into Celtic Park with his air jack on, there must be sandfish going on. It doesn't happen anymore. There's social media, there's phone, there's, there's contacts. So, so yeah, yeah, and it gives air a bit of hype as well. If you're, you know, if you're in the upper... Echelons of Airdrie, you're like, oh, well, we've got a player who's potentially moving for big bucks. And but, it helps you gather um, players in, doesn't it? So I'm thinking now, though, looking at Airdrie, and I don't know, Muzzy's thought, they don't they don't overly seem scared of anyone. They don't overly seem like phased by the um, the games that are coming. It's just like, yeah, let's next game, next game, next game. And it's just playoff game after playoff game. They've got, Muzz mentioned a couple of senior figures. They've got Sean Crichton, who's been through playoffs before. But dice. For dice, yeah, they don't. They don't seem to have anyone Curry, individually or as a team who are overly phased by. This is a big game. It's more just like, well, it's just another game. Let's let's go I'll, play. I'll, I'll double that question up, Muzz, with also by saying, Airdrie fans won't thank me, but the hype change should probably be starting about Cam Gallagher or anything soon. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely hit form um, at the right time, um, and you know he's been. He's scoring, he's scoring vital goals as well. Um, so it's Ali Roy, who before, if you're going way back to the mm-hmm. start of the season, the pre-season, he was on fire. I was in really the game, actually, when he done his shoulder, the kind of wrist or whatever he did, when he's went in that board and at the back of the pitch. That's wrote his season off just about, isn't it? Um, took a, took a, I took a nasty, a nasty knock in that game. That, that like, Gallagher back in... Um, and he's he's he's, he's just uh, he's always in about the goals, and he's always it's not just the goals he brings; it's his it's his uh, runs, his yeah, off yeah. the ball movement that drags defenders around. You know his movement, his near post runs, um, his link up play uh, as well, and his attitudes just first class really. Um, and he can he's always somebody that's never really can, he can go through a game. He can be quiet, but he's never really out the game until the whistle's blown mm-hmm. because he's somebody that can just pop up. Um, uh, in the box uh, with a vital goal. So, yeah. I, J- James is right that you know they've got nothing to fear. 
let's 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 remember they finished two points behind the winners of that league. Mm-hmm. So and you're talking there's Partick Thistles, there's Falkirks in there, there's big big boys in there that they're they're mixing with quite happily. Um and so Martin, you know, Martin will, will not phase them, but I think they were I think uh, they were fortunate to get through that the both game. I mean it was it was predictably as tight as I thought it was going to be. Um but I think it was possibly possibly expected. I know uh, David Coe was I think his name was 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 mentioned on Twitter how much he was looking forward to this this game and he he said he he said he was feeling uh, pretty unlucky not to reach the final. And I think I think he can be justified in saying that they lost their well, key player, Meganson. I was going to say Canny because they've lost Meganson is obviously a goal machine for them. But in the same game, Airdrie lost Peyton after six minutes. Kyle Connor came on for him. He then went off injured. So both teams kind of suffered a lot. Yeah, but I sympathise with him with the ninety fourth minute goal, obviously. But injuries kind of part and parcel, isn't it? I think like yeah, I think that's not. I think Airdrie we just talked about the squad depth they have. They have they have coverage for some of these players, but Mitch Meganson has been like the person who's spearheaded Cove for the last well for the rise up the leagues, uh, which is which is something that they need to address because they need to they need to fill that squad out a bit. Uh, did, did they not take a bit of a dip earlier <clears throat> earlier in the season with Meganson? Well, yeah, so has that done them the men? Perhaps so, he's maybe but, feeling a bit aggrieved that they've been done in. I think know, at the start of the season where they, they could have picked up more points, but again, in, in this at this level of football, you can't afford just to be a. Well, we've got Mitch Meganson who'll score us goals, and you know, hopefully, there's ten other jobbers who'll fill shirts and run about for us. So, I still like like Mother saying, squad depth is going to be huge. Parts of signed Logan because. Shea Logan, because Cammy Logan's out getting games for Cove and he'll get 10 or 15 games for the season's over. He's sat on the bench for every single one of them. Uh, he's well playing yeah. the hearts because at least got five games. But yeah. anyway. But aye, I think um, Cove have got, they've got like a nucleus there. They've got Fivey, Yule, Scully, mm-hmm. Meganson, top players. They could probably, I think they could probably Back all play SPL. Um, I think those guys could play SPL. But I think their defense, you know, the problem is as well with those those midfielders aren't scoring, and also uh, they don't chip in. Fivey likes sitting off the game and that, don't he? And Yule's the same. Like he'll get it off the second aye, half and he'll look side decent side middle forward. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see the def- how teams who have invested in the Lowland League who haven't done much this season, or if Kelty don't make it in. If any of the, those players are beginning to think, actually, you know what, well, I could, you know, I want to play, you know, senior level football rather than Lowland League. So, will teams pick them up? Like, there, there's, there's there's plenty of talent down there that could be going to 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 flesh out teams like Cove who have got like uh, in a strong nucleus, but maybe need some other sort of roundabout players because we'll, we'll probably there's talk players who, who have joined in. Um, like outfits in the Lowland League who have joined in projects, and that project will come ahead. When it's Brecon versus, I will probably put so we'll on that next, next episode because there's chat. I saw an interview with Stephen Bell, the East Kilbride, but he's saying he might now go back to Thistle and sign for them now they've gone up and he's been speaking to McCall and stuff. So we'll probably come on that in the transfer. Mm-hmm. But it's a good point that you make. Boys like Austin, like you say, he knows he can score at League One level. If uh, Kelly don't come up, is he going to be happy playing Lone League when he knows he could be? Because he scored goals for his side, didn't he? So. 
Um, yeah, that's that's also the the key one. So well, I knew that. Uh, can, like, I knew that can you was... can you face trudging away in another project where it's like I the nearly men because the prospect of going to Cove where there's also a bit of cash going about who are for me also potentially going to be contenders because they're you know they're looking like they're a, they're a well-run club as well and we've seen what well-run clubs can do. So yeah, I think they're they're lucrative and they're an attractive or they've got certain appeal. But you know, I think there's an element of feeling aggrieved, but. Also, What's at the same your, time, if you're a Cove fan, you've got to think, you know, it's early days for your, you know, yeah. top tier pyramid. What's yeah. your prediction, James? So, just looking at the fixtures here, just try to work it when our next episode is, isn't it? I've been dodging recent episodes because my predictions have been terrible. You know, that's given me the fear. That's why I've not been on. Oh, we'll be back. We'll be back on before <laughs> the second leg. So, First leg, Airdrie Martin, what's your prediction? Just one leg, not not to go through. Aird, at home. At I've Airdrie. got it written down to me, but it's Airdrie at home. Aye. Yeah, Airdrie. I think, I think Airdrie. We, we've spoken about strong team experience at home as well. I think that's a. I yeah, think it doesn't mean pop- much with the, with the fan situation, but it's it's just comfort, home comfort. I think Airdrie will pop from an Astro. I, I fancy mm-hmm. Airdrie. Maz, what's your prediction for that first leg only? Agreed, Airdrie. Um, Good. I'm just. Astro could be a factor, actually. The Premiership ones. Given what I saw at Montrose. We'll be back on before the Premiership ones. So that's boxed off Championship. That's League One. So marching on to League Two then, Muzz. You did mention a 3 2. There would be a 3 2 in Elgin, Edinburgh. I fancied Edinburgh to go through. I think you said it could go either way. I took Edinburgh a canter. It was most definitely not a canter. But they're through, and I'm going to back them to go marching right through Dumbarton and into League One. But Elgin will be disappointed that. Uh, so close yet so far for them. Yeah, I think my specific prediction was it would be 3-2 in Edinburgh and 3-2 up at Elgin and Aye. it would be goal fest and nothing could separate them. And, That's 3-2 uh, in aggregate, so you... Yeah. Yeah, true. For Edinburgh to go up there and win 1-0 with... with uh, Elgin are a weird team. They, they came out they came out of the... You know, they came out of lockdown break all over the place and then they turned the corner like overnight and just started laying waste to team suddenly and like Edinburgh have gone up and t- kept them like to a clean sheet and nicked an away goal well okay away goals don't count but, but uh, um, you know what I mean psychologically and then back down the road Ed, I think Elgin have taken a Elgin have taken a, a lead of the um, uh, down in Edinburgh yeah it went 1-0 Daryl McCard well got both but 22 Aye. minutes McCarthy but then Edinburgh, crucially, they've pegged them back. Well, pegged them back in the game, went ahead in the tie. Danny Handlin three minutes later. Yeah, and um, then Elgin have gone ahead again. Yeah, two minutes before half time, McCarthy, yeah. Like, possibly my prediction was was, was <laughs> close. Um, but, yeah, fair play to Edinburgh. They just seem to have... They seem to be able to, like, outgun people around yeah, them. We spoke about it. I and think Edinburgh can do both. I think they can... If, they, if you need goals they've got attacking players they'll get goals but if Chiefs need to grind out a team or match grind out a game or match you physically or whatever they've got the ability to do that as well uh, yeah, boys like yeah. Andy Black Liam Brown Josh Campbell Jordan a lot of legs in the middle of the park for them yeah I think Dumbarton will be a, a just they'll, they'll be they'll be sticky for them they'll, that'll be a real test I don't think they'll have come across such a defensively resilient team apart mm-hmm. from maybe Queen's Park um, you know all season so um, you I like think that Strunard, one's, don't I think you? That you one's like, going to be tight. You like Dumbarton? How did you? Are you happy for Dumbarton? Obviously, that they've they've managed to win it. Sonar, very Payton, who's been good all season, missing that penalty. 
Yeah, I've said a couple of times about Dumbarton that I think I've, I've used them as, as an example of it. Dumbarton could have, like, like Stranar did in League One last season, they, they, could, they, they went down but were, were not like a, a bad team. They were not mm-hmm. miles away from, you know, they went down playing some good football and looking like a half-decent League One outfit. And I thought the same fate could have met Dumbarton. They could have... Um, they could have ended up, or they still could end up going down, but not having had, not being terrible by any means, do you know what I mean? But just maybe mm-hmm. not having enough cutting edge in, in forward areas and things like that. So if they did go down, I would I would feel sorry for Dumbarton because they punched, you know, they punched above their weight or or they certainly punched within their means. They've they've um, done as, as, as well as they can and uh, and whilst not being at times with one outfielder like, on the bench and no keepers and all sorts exactly, of yeah, uh, yeah. James, say say Dumbarton come down. That league, what league are we talking? League two is going to be sticky in it next year because you see Kelty come up, you then Kelty, you've got Forfa, you've got Dumbarton, you've got Stranraer, Elgin, you've got Sterling Albion, Steny who look to be doing business again. We'll touch on that. Um, they've released 18 bodies or something with seven lined up apart from two players from the championship or something but it's going to be a sticky league isn't it yeah and I don't think they will come down Dumbarton but if you're saying say they do do you see them beating Edinburgh in your head you're almost going are they are they the runaway winners not to the extent that, that Queen's Park are but are they, are they then sort of by proxy the team to beat because Sterling Albion were unlucky to, to lose out to an extent. Um, you know, partially their own undoing, but partially, I think, a bit of naivety and inexperience. But, you know, if they can strengthen themselves and they get rid of that naivety and inexperience, they build some experienced players. Kelty, if they manage to retain some of the players we've just been talking about playing at the league above, you know, they'll be a force to contend with. Mm-hmm. We've called, or certainly I've called them Barton, the sort of the nearly men many times because they've got players who... Who could have been so passed, do you, do you see them beating Edinburgh? Yeah, but for me, they've got they, because they do have these players that, that could have been playing previously at a higher level and are actually for me quite a good team. I think they've had a a bit of a dip and a bit of a wobble when um, they've you know they've had that goalkeeper incident of loans getting recalled and then signing boys and then Chris Smith actually disappearing because he can't play football anymore. And you know, for me, they, they've taken a bit of a wobble when they couldn't, which is. You know, condemned their season a wee bit, mm-hmm. um, and and we've said many times, you know, they could have been higher up that league. It's just sort of they just weren't. So, you know, that's an element of them being bad. But at the same time, I think the players they've got are superior to Edinburgh. Don't get me wrong, Edinburgh are a good team. They've shown so, that. But so the first when I look leg, at them, for me, Dumbarton's the so you're taking Dumbarton over both. Dumbarton over both. Yeah, I, I can't see Dumbarton going down. I think Edinburgh City will be strong. I don't see it being. Like I say, a, a whitewash, but also I don't think if Dumbarton retain some of their players and sign new players, they probably won't be in this situation next season. So if they can avoid it, I think they'll they'll do well um, to stay up and stay clear. Maz, to build suspense, I'm just checking the dates here now. Again, we'll be back on for the second leg. What do you think first leg, Maz, at Ainsley Park? Um, I think Edinburgh will um, actually have too much for them. Right, so I think they could, yeah, I think they could win. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be sticky at the Martin. I think it'll be close. Um, I think Edinburgh might. I think Edinburgh might win the win the tie overall by maybe a goal. 
I can see Edinburgh winning at home and grinding out a draw away, and I can see Airdrie doing the same, actually, winning their home league and grinding out a draw at Cabo, which obviously they'd be delighted with. We spoke like you say, about... like you, like you say whether Ed, sorry, just what you were saying about the league, League Two, what it's going to look like next season, whether it's Edinburgh City still there or Dumbarton coming down, I, I agree with it, and I agree with you that it's going to be you know, so tight. It should be an excellent league, actually, but I feel that you could find Annan, Cunbeathan, and... and uh, Albion Rovers being the three that are, are cut away at the bottom again. Just I was about to say, of the, one of those three, of the rest all of three of them will be sweating. We have a kid in. The <laughs> of it already, like, even if, I don't know, I, I really can't see Preakin staying up, I like, said, realistically, but if they do, they're down next season. But when, um, when we can drop out, these three teams will be sweating it because they're next. Points are prisoners against those three and it's just Try not to get as shafted as you could against the bigger team. <laughs> as you know, James, from watching, I said last week there'll be nine um, nine chairmen in League Two supporting Brecon on Tuesday night, aren't I? Oh, aye. I think we all fancy Kelly to beat them, don't we? We're not going into the predictions too much for that. Um, no. But there's a Cowden fan, actually. There's a Cowden fan in the comments, actually, last week, um, whose name escapes me, forgive me, uh, who said they'd watched every episode, so kudos. Um, I like to think I've been relatively and he must warm be. towards Cowden, despite the fact he let me down time and time again. He must be in the know because he was like, oh, rumours of Liam Buchanan. And then I went on Twitter like that night and it's like, Cowden, we've signed Liam Buchanan. So they've started recruiting not too shabby with that. The old gang like, getting back together. There are a lot of players. I think there's going to be more than usual amount of players being certainly are getting released early and are on the move. Well, that, the clubs are starting to think ahead already. So Stenny, um, it's, 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 it's going to be a fee, you know, it's going to be a fee for all in Stenny the market. do a weekly update uh, saying on Twitter, they've released 18 Biabi's away. Um, some of the names on the Stenny one are, but they're like, oh, we've got seven friend players. Of pod, friend of the podcast, Greg Spence, being retained, or is he? I never saw him actually. Um, but they're like, oh, it's fine because we've got seven players lined up. One's played in the championship as a defend, a midfielder. One's played in the championship this season as a striker. Um, playing or played? Well, I'm not playing, but I didn't say how often. Um, so, part and obviously the boys on loan for Hibs, and then Craig Little's away, Tiffany's away, McQueen, Ryan Blair, uh, Thomas Halloran, the Abbey Greg Spence, friend of the podcast Greg Spence is away. Mark McGuigan, Ryan Waters, Chris Kane, Tommy Muir, Martin Shields, all gone. So their whole team, basically. Aye. So that's basically a, an, that's Club 43, basically. Just <laughs> build, build that 18 and, and 11 and subs and you'll, I think There's you'll be seven, fine. I think you might beat Steady. They've tried to sell it a bit because <laughs> they've said seven new players, mind. including a former Rangers Academy player. A 14-year-old boy, like. A championship striker. Championship midfielder, so we shall see. I think he'll bring a few from BSC, won't he? I think he likes a Ross Smith, and that'll jump from BSC. But anyway, that's a different episode. So that rounds up. We've got our predictions. Very excited for the upcoming games. Thank you very much for joining us. Like I say, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could just massive favour, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Any thoughts on what your team needs to do to strengthen, or how your team will get on in the playoffs? Let us know in the comments or at Turnstiles on Twitter. Shout out to Cove fan David, who's supported us from the start. Unlock it. Um, Doff my cap to the Cowden fan that called Liam Buchanan as well, by the way, signing. There's some good, knowledgeable listeners here. Um, 
I get them on. I get them on. I thought it, I know, man. I'm worried about getting released in one of them coming in for next season as well. Um, so Aye. thanks very much for watching. We'll see you next week. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Cheers. boys.